This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to another edition of Contractor's Corner. I'm Solar Power World Editor-in-Chief Kelly Pickerel, and today I'm talking with Zad Ashai, who is CEO of solar developer Nexamp, which is headquartered in Boston, but has multiple satellite offices primarily in the Northeast. So nice to talk with you today, Zad. And nice to speak with you as well. Tell me about how did Nexamp get started in the solar industry? Yeah, so Nexamp started uh, in 2007, and it was started by two military veterans who had finished service in the Middle East and Afghanistan, and they were looking to create a energy company that could al- allow you know commercial industrial enterprises to green their footprint. And at the time when Nexamp was founded, they took their knowledge from building um, generation sites for the military in remote locations to sort of starting this business. And initially, Nexamp was not only solar, but was energy efficiency consulting, geothermal, um, small wind as well. So it was a holistic solution set at that point, given the cost of solar was still pretty significant in 2007. Uh, Fast track to uh, 2013, our business model um, changed and primarily became focused on solar. So we ended up selling our energy efficiency business and made the decision that solar was really the best way to address the needs of CNI customers as well as potentially residential customers through community solar. Um, and sort of that sort of really created our journey as a pure play solar uh, platform company. Mm-hmm. So are you exclusively working on community solar projects now? No. So we're, we're doing um, community solar as well as behind the meter, as well as small utility scale solar as well. Uh, community solar is definitely a big portion of our business, uh, but it's not the only part of our business. Okay. Focusing just on that community solar aspect, what is the draw to that specialty of solar? Yeah, I think it's making uh, it's accessibility and simplicity are really the two key words for community solar. Um, many customers who cannot uh, really implement rooftop solar for a number of reasons, whether it's the age of the roof, their credit history, whether they're a renter and not a homeowner, this really democratizes access uh, to solar, while at the same time kind of driving costs down um, using sort of medium-sized solar systems. So. It's the best of both worlds where you're sort of benefiting from a lower cost of solar with a larger system, but allowing uh, residential and small commercial customers to get the benefit of that and allows them to really um, participate in going green and saving money as well at the same time. Mm -hmm. What are some of the more nuanced aspects of community solar that Nextamp handles? Like, are you working directly with subscribers? Yeah, no, absolutely. So at Nextamp, we never have viewed ourselves as a developer. You know, we view ourselves as a platform company. And what we mean by that is we provide an end-to-end solution. And, you know, at Nextamp, philosophically, the way we think about uh, bringing solar projects uh, to fruition is that we need to be able to do all the key aspects of development, ownership, and asset management well, and we need to do under one roof. And we take that same philosophy in community solar. So, um, from the development aspect, uh, these are uh, we're we're focused on developing these projects, uh, doing site acquisition, developing them. 
but at the end, we're also um, have our own community solar team, which is using various means to reach the end customers. So uh, we definitely work directly with the subscribers. Uh, we think that's an important part of the community solar experience, um, making sure that that sort of monthly bill is easily understood, uh, that the savings is well understood, and that consumers are directly engaged with the, the projects that they're buying credits from. What have you found to be the, the best pitch to subscribers? You kind of mentioned earlier that they have the opportunity to go green or they maybe don't have the, the roof space for solar. What are you seeing subscribers want to kind of sign on to these community solar projects? Yeah, so it's actually there's two drivers. Um, and obviously, uh, with each customer, the importance of each driver is slightly different. Uh, one is, you know, saving money uh, on their utility bills. And number two is obviously going green and participating in the green economy. Um, I think for most customers, those two drivers together are very powerful drivers to do something. Um, one thing I will note in many community solar programs, even if you have rooftop solar, you can still participate as a community solar customer. So it doesn't negate that ability. Uh, so we do have customers that have rooftop solar but are looking to uh, further participate in that if, A, if the system is not sized fully to their demand, et cetera. So um, those are really the two things, and it's really allowing them to participate in solar development as well in their communities. And I think for many people um, in these communities where um, economic development's been slow um, in some of these rural communities, it's important for them to see investments being made in infrastructure. Um, and that's another driver where really customers are really pleased to see these investments being made uh, by Nexamp and by other solar companies as well. Mm -hmm. Now, Nexamp has been at the forefront of jumpstarting community solar programs throughout the Northeast. I, I feel like every time we see a community solar news story come up, Nexamp is definitely involved. But what's your outlook on community solar in general? And, and are some states more promising than others? Yeah, no, it, it's a great question. It's um, you know, if I had a crystal ball, it, it's, it's very difficult to uh, predict the future. Um, we're optimistic about community solar uh, throughout the country, but it's not without some uh, obstacles in front of us. Um, so as you mentioned, we are active now in 12 states. Uh, we're active throughout most of the country. Um, we're going to be uh, sort of, uh, you'll, you'll see us more active on the West Coast and some other uh, sort of non-traditional geographies as well. And, you know, as you can imagine, there's been some great successes in states like Minnesota, New York, Massachusetts, um, and there's some new states as well that are really trying to uh, push community solar, like Maryland, New Jersey, Maine, and Illinois. Uh, but the reality is, if, if you look at the solar map, um, it's still pretty potmarked. It's not throughout the country. And, you know, for us to be successful in addressing climate change and successful in sort of growing the community solar market, we have to have a 50-state strategy. And every state, unfortunately, as you can imagine, um, being in the solar industry has its own challenges that are unique to each state, uh, that are unique to, unique to each PUC or PSC. And um, we've been very active through our board leadership positions at SIA, CCSA, among others, to really try to create frameworks that allow it to be a win-win and um, allow sort of ratepayers to benefit from development and also allow it to be something that, that's democratized and simple for customers. Um, I would say it's going to need a lot more work from the industry 
to ensure that sort of best practices are adopted by new states. Um, it's also going to take a lot of work by the industry to really uh, work with policymakers to allow them to really see what the benefits have been and some of the success stories from some of the more um, sort of traditional undeveloped states in community solar. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of news stories with Nexamp, I saw last year that you guys did your first energy storage projects in New York and Massachusetts. Now, I'm assuming that's kind of the behind the meter work for you. So can you kind of explain what those projects look like and, and what you're going to be doing with energy storage? Yeah, so absolutely. It's a great question. So those storage projects, I believe, are actually front of the meter. Okay. Um, and we are working behind the meter storage as well. Um, the way we see solar um, in the future, whether it's in community solar or utility scale solar, I think solar and storage um, are going to be coupled together very tightly. And the reality is um, if we want to create base load power characteristics for uh, solar and wind, uh, storage is critical. And one thing that's been very exciting is storage is starting to look like a market uh, similar to solar 10 years ago, where we're seeing advances in uh, the cost curve. We're seeing um, sort of deployments now make economical sense as well. And as you're aware, there's um, program design incentives in New York and Massachusetts, among other states, to couple storage with solar. Um, because these states are planning for the future where uh, there will be little, if any, fossil fuel generation. And if we're going to be successful, storage has to be coupled with this. Um, So the complexity it really creates is on the permitting side and the interconnection side, it's less um, uh, complexity with the subscriber. So if you're a subscriber in New York and we put storage in the project, your experience is going to be no different. Your savings will be no different. Your bills can be no different. Um, it's us sort of now developing asset management capability to manage these storage assets effectively based on their different revenue streams uh, that can be very different from a PV-only array. So like you mentioned, you are handling everything from financing to development to operations. And since you are involved in community solar and um, utility scale. Is there anything different in the O&M of a community solar project compared to like a one source utility scale site? Uh, philosophically, no, there isn't. Um, you know, O&M is very much similar. You know, our goal is to make sure that these sites are as reliable as possible, that there's as little downtime as possible. Uh, where as the industry matures, we're thinking of O&M as predictive maintenance using tools and artificial intelligence and big data to do predictive maintenance. So, you know, repairing a site before it fails uh, based on past behaviors of other sites. So kind of those principles, whether it's a community solar site or a behind the meter site or a small utility scale site, uh, we apply evenly. Um, And it's pretty exciting because our own O&M team is integrated into our EPC and development teams. So we learn from a lot of mistakes that we've made and we sort of iterate on those and improve them and ensure that the O&M team gives the feedback to various parts of the business. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a pretty exciting time in O&M given we're able to deploy tools that have been applied in other industries more effectively in an O&M. And I think the exciting thing is it's going to allow us to continue to lower the cost of solar. Um, it's going to allow us to continue to make sure that these sites are more reliable as well and, you know, continue to make sure that these sites are integrated 
fairly nicely within the communities that they're in. Mm-hmm. Well, along with O&M comes our favorite thing to talk about is sheep. And I know that you guys have used sheep on a New York solar farm for vegetative maintenance. So what has been your experience with using sheep and, and will be will you be using them on more sites? Yeah, so uh, it's been a great experience thus far. Uh, you know, we, we've worked with um, sort of sheep grazers in several communities to really supplant traditional um, vegetation mitigation, which is traditionally through lawn mowing. And the exciting part about using sheep is a couple things. It provides an economic benefit to the agricultural communities that surround some of these projects. Two, it's a lower CO2 footprint. And three, uh, we believe in scale, it's actually cheaper uh, than the more mechanical techniques. So um, given it's providing development to surrounding communities, it's cheaper, it's a better CO2 footprint, it's great. So for us, we're definitely gonna continue to roll this out to more communities. Um, But you know, for us, it doesn't stop at sheep grazing. We are trying to make sure that these sites can provide other uh, environmental benefits to the surrounding community as well. So we're looking at pollinator strategies to make sure that our sites um, have the right ecosystem to really address the issue around pollinators. As we know, um, given climate change and deforestation and retail development and real estate development has decimated uh, pollinators, which are critical not only to agriculture, but to our own well-being. Uh, so we're looking around strategies around that. We're, la- we're looking at strategies to make sure our fencing techniques allow wildlife to freely roam and don't disrupt some of the migration patterns or uh, patterns around their movements. And uh, for us, it, you know, it's a journey. Um, this is going to continue to improve. Um, and, you know, we take it sort of one step at a time, but the sheep grazing has been a really nice success. Um, now it's how do you sort of scale this to um, a business that has thousands of sites and do it effectively? Um, and we, you know we're going to continue working at it. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. What else is in the plans for the next few years for NextAmp? You you mentioned you're kind of going over to California, but are you going to do more westward expansion? We are. Um, so I think, you know, the exciting thing for NextAmp, as I mentioned, is, you know, we don't view ourselves as a solar-only company, a community solar-only company, a storage-only company. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of innovative DNA within this company. And we're excited on several fronts. One, as you mentioned, we are expanding to develop a national footprint. And that's going to be really critical because for us, you know, we are excited. We have a very unique community solar product. Um, we have a product where there's no long-term contracts, where there's no FICO score requirements. And handily, we're able to do this because we've taken an integrated approach to development, asset management, and touching our subscribers through our own community solar team. And we want to make sure those benefits uh, can be realized in uh, many more states than we have today. The two, you know, we are continuing to look at new products in solar and storage and outside of solar and storage, which can make going green simpler. Uh, We are going to look at innovations at the retail energy point of view, um, because we believe we can convince more retail customers to go green and make it simple and make it cost effective. Uh, We can sort of expand the market, but also really sort of um, expand 
the footprint not only of green energy, but also um, making it simpler for customers that just weren't aware that those choices were available to them. Um, so hopefully you'll see this kind of expansion not only in the geographic front, but on the product front as well. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. And thanks for talking to me today and let me get to know the company. No, thank you for your time. Appreciate uh, sort of all the work you're doing on this podcast and sort of highlighting the industry. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, view industry videos, and read our great editorial content. SolarPowerWorldOnline.com. See you back here next month.